0: You're tuned into the Tokyo Living podcast, where we help you live a healthy and enjoyable life in one of the most amazing cities in the world. On this episode, our resident physician, Dr. Tom Lomax, is back on the show to discuss the science, treatment, and testing recommendations for prostate cancer. Tokyo Living is proudly brought to you by Club 360 changing lives through health and fitness.
1: Hello everyone, Uh, welcome back to the Tokyo Living Podcast. Today we're joined yet again by our resident physician, Dr. Tom Lomax. Tom, welcome back to the show and thanks again for hosting me in your clinic.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Today we're gonna be talking about uh, prostate cancer. A lot of the uh, people listening and and watching the show are some middle-aged foreign people living in Tokyo, Mm. Um, so obviously the the screening for things like prostate cancer does become more important, Mm. Um, and also there has been some news of late uh, that uh, prostate cancer levels may be increasing in some uh, countries outside Japan. So I thought that we would just sort of um, have a a talk about these uh, statistics and and, uh, talk about prostate cancer in general. So perhaps if we just uh, talk a little bit about prostate cancer, um, how it forms uh, the typical mm. risk factors and uh, the typical sort of demographic that, that yeah. might suffer this condition.
2: Yeah okay so I mean first of all what what is the prostate? Mm. So the prostate's a small gland um, about the size of a walnut when you're young and it sits underneath your bladder so your urethra, the, t- the tube that you pee through, goes through the centre of the prostate. Um, as we get older the prostate tends to grow slightly larger which is why when you get past 50 you may find that you have slightly more difficult difficulty passing urine or you need to get up to pee at night. That's just your prostate naturally getting bigger with age. So as well as getting larger as we get older there's a certain risk of cancer forming within the prostate. So that's actually very common. Prostate cancer is really like the breast cancer of men. So for for women, one woman in nine in most western countries will get breast cancer um, and in, uh, in the US I think it's one man in eight will be diagnosed with prostate cancer. So after skin cancers uh, they're the highest incidence cancers in men.
1: Right. Hmm uh and typically it's people over 50 is it between certain
2: age ranges yeah, up so until you, you range? should sort of never say never but it's extremely rare to see prostate cancer diagnosed in men under 50 mm. um, and as we get older it gets more common so i think the the sort of uh the uh highest diagno- number of diagnoses in the uk are made in men around age 75. Mm. um but you see prostate cancer getting slightly more Uh, frequent in men through their 50s and 60s and 70s yeah Mm. and
1: uh, after diagnosis of prostate cancer what are the sort of mortality rates and uh, and what's the the typical treatment yeah
2: so prostate cancer is an extremely mixed bag Mm. it's definitely not one disease so i mean i I like to think of cancers as being like uh, tortoises or rabbits or birds, okay? So a tortoise is a cancer that's not going anywhere. Mm. It's just sat there, it's not going to hurt anyone, and it's not going to run out of the room. You can just watch it. You don't actually need to do anything to it. Mm. A rabbit is a cancer that's kind of jumping around, Mm. and if you don't watch it, it might get away from you, but you've got a chance to catch it before it does that. Mm. And a bird, once you've seen it, is gone. Mm. So the sort of bird cancers, the ones that we don't really have good treatments for are things like pancreatic cancer. Now the majority of prostate cancers are actually the turtles. Mm. They're relatively harmless and even if you watch them for 10 or 20 years they may not do anything, mm. okay? But within those there are a smaller number of ones that are potentially harmful but that you have a window to identify and treat them uh, You know, with a good chance of long-term remission. Mm. So really the the key is identifying which ones can be watched and which ones need to be treated and how. Yeah and how do you go about identifying that? So I think most of us are familiar with like hearing cancers staged, like you Mm. hear people talking about stage one, stage two, stage three and stage four cancer. Stage four is cancer that's metastasized through the body. Actually with prostate cancer what's more relevant is the grade, So grade is basically how abnormal the cells are. So a low-grade cancer is one where the cells look slightly abnormal, but they're not changed enough to make them particularly dangerous. And if you sort of look into the literature about prostate cancer, you'll hear the term Gleason grade talked about. So Gleason's a way of grading prostate cancers, and the scores for that run from six which are the most benign cancers, through to 10, which are the most aggressive ones. Mm. Now the Gleason Grade 6 cancers can almost always just be watched. And Mm. I've got a few regular patients who've got Gleason Grade 6 prostate cancer, and it's just not, we're just watching it. Mm. They have a repeat blood test every six months, uh, and they might have a scan every couple of years, but that's all they need.
0: Mm. Club 360 is Tokyo's premier health, fitness and rehabilitation center, offering physiotherapy, osteopathy, personal training, group fitness classes, boxing, sports massage, pilates, and nutrition consultations. With two full-time locations in Moto Azubu and Higashi Azubu, as well as satellite physiotherapy practices in Koen, and Yokohama, Hub360 boasts a team of high-level practitioners from all over the world, ready to take care of your injury and fitness needs, and guide you on a path towards a healthier and happier life. Come visit us at cop360.jp or follow us at cop 360 rupongi on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, what uh, do you sort of make of the recent um, yeah, your talk about the prostate cancer death rate? Yeah,
2: so um, I think the best evidence comes from the US. So. The, the rate at which you look for prostate cancer makes a huge difference to the number of diagnoses and also to the death rates, yeah. but actually not in an entirely predictable way. Mm. So we've got quite a good blood test to screen people for prostate cancer. I think most of us who are over 45 or 50 will have been offered or heard about the PSA test. So that's PSA stands for prostate-specific antigen. So that's a routine blood test that can quickly and easily be done in any doctor's office, get the result in two days. What it gives you is a number, okay? So if your PSA is less than one, then you're basically in the clear, you've got nothing to worry about. If your PSA is very high, like let's say it's a 1,000, you've got quite extensive and quite advanced prostate cancer, that's fairly... Easy to pick up and obvious as well. The problem with PSA testing is you get a lot of people who are in a sort of mid-range mm. so they'll come back with a PSA of between 4 and 10. Now if you're in your 50s and you've got a PSA in that range there's about a 5% chance you've got cancer. Yeah. So actually 95% of people who come back with a high PSA don't have cancer. Right. The problem is identifying the ones that do have cancer often requires a biopsy, right. which is because your prostate's right inside you, taking the biopsy is pretty unpleasant. I can do mm-hmm. a whole talk about that, but you know you don't want to have that done casually unless there's a reasonable chance it'll turn something up. Yes. So the argument has always been, if you do lots and lots and lots of PSA testing, you'll end up doing a lot of biopsies, which are unpleasant and in some instances can be harmful. Sure but you'll identify prostate cancer very early on. So if you push to do a lot of PSA testing, you find lots of early stage prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. Now what that means is the diagnosed incidence of prostate cancer shoots up massively. Mm -hmm. So if you took a population and said, okay, as of this year we're going to test everyone's PSA, you would probably find you more than doubled the rate of diagnosis of prostate cancer. So we've seen that happen in the past, And when that's been done, there's sometimes been a bit of a backlash. Like a lot of these guys who've got very low-grade prostate cancers probably didn't need to know about it. Mm. Cancers that aren't going anywhere, Mm. right? So maybe we shouldn't test as many people. On the other hand, if you do a lot of testing, the small number of guys who've got the more dangerous prostate cancers, the rabbits, you do pick them up earlier on. Mm. And then you've got more opportunities to treat them. and stop them from dying from prostate cancer so in the states when they've done more psa testing cancer diagnosis rates have gone up and death rates have gone down when they've done less psa testing diagnosis rates have fallen but death rates have risen yeah and there's a constant debate about how much we should be testing people's psa
0: Mm -hmm. alana jade is a friendly bilingual salon located in azurjuvant Tokyo where they provide a private and relaxing haven where guests come to escape the hustle and bustle of city life. Ilana Jade's wide range of deluxe beauty treatments of facials, nails, waxing, massage and eyelashes will have you looking your best from head to toe. Receive 20% off your first treatment by mentioning Tokyo Living Podcast when booking.
1: And, uh... Just uh, for, the, for the people viewing the YouTube version of this, uh, on our previous episode with Dr Lomax, he did do a practical uh, example of a, a viral infection testing. Don't worry, we're not going to do a practical <laughs> example of a prostate, uh, a pros- a prostate biopsy. <laughs> um, so then, I guess, what are your recommendations for your patients in terms of uh, screening and testing?
2: So that is very difficult to give an answer to because... I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer to that. I think um, if you are basically end of life, if you're in your 80s and you have no symptoms, you probably shouldn't be tested Mm. because the overwhelming probability is even if you find there's a prostate cancer in a guy over 80, he's not going to experience any ill effects, he's not going to die from it. So why are you telling someone you've got cancer when actually the cancer is very unlikely to harm them? On the other hand, if you're looking at guys in their 50s and 60s, there is a case for trying to identify those harmful cancers that could shave 20 years of someone's healthy life. Mm. The problem is people need to understand before they go into the process Mm. that there's this quite high chance of either ending up doing a biopsy that doesn't identify cancer and is pretty unpleasant, or of finding one of these very low-grade cancers that doesn't need to be treated but it's still sort of there in the back of your mind, yeah. like you've got a Gleason grade 6 cancer, it's probably not going to do anything bad, but you're going to have to keep doing tests and keep watching it. Sure. So I think uh, probably it is reasonable for, for guys between 50 and 70 certainly. To have regular PSA blood tests, mm. but there needs to be some informed discussion about what the test is, what the implications are, and what the downsides of testing are.
1: Yeah, yeah, yep. It's like with any sort of diagnostic testing; it's uh, it always comes yeah. with a lot of um, yeah. uh, nuance and um, yeah, and, and perspective that needs to be taken yeah. into account, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's my takeaway message: is if you only do one thing, discuss with a doctor whether the PSA test is right for you. Yeah.
0: Do you suffer lower back pain while sitting in the office or during long-haul travel? The Lumberjacket may be just the solution you're looking for. This revolutionary product features a built-in inflatable and height-adjustable lower back support, concealed within a fashionable and comfortable garment. Perfect for work and travel. Visit Lumberjacket.com for more details or simply search Lumberjacket on Amazon.
1: Um, and so what about um, prostate
2: cancer rates uh, in Japan compared to the West? Very low. really. So um, there's an identifiable inter-ethnic difference um, in countries with sort of uh, you know, mixed populations. Um, generally, people of African ans- ancestry have higher rates of prostate cancer, and people of East Asian ancestry have lower rates of prostate cancer, and East Asian countries have lower rates of prostate cancer. Mm. So J- Japan's one of the lowest.
1: Yeah, yeah. Any idea why that is the case?
2: I think that's speculative, actually. Uh, I mean, there's supposed to be a correlation with exposure to serum testosterone. So maybe running slightly lower testosterone levels means your risk of prostate cancer is lower. But that's debated. So in
1: terms of treatment options, uh, once someone has been diagnosed?
2: So uh, for as I mentioned earlier, they're very low grade cancers, they don't need to be treated, they can just be observed and that's quite a high fraction of prostate cancers. Mm. Um, Some prostate cancers have already spread outside of the prostate but are still fairly slow growing Mm. Uh, and they can be treated with radiotherapy and uh, also with hormone therapy. So hormones that block testosterone will often slow down or stop the growth of prostate cancers Um, and in guys who've been found to have a relatively high grade aggressive prostate cancer but one that still hasn't spread outside the prostate then surgery is an option Mm. Um, and that's improved quite a lot even during the 20 years that I've been practicing so I actually worked for a a prostate surgeon when I was a junior doctor Um, and I mean he was reckoned to be one of the top prostate surgeons in the UK Uh, but still guys who'd had surgery with him you know he would always tell them there's quite a high chance that you won't be fully continent afterwards you'll constantly be leaking urine after you've had prostate surgery Um, and the majority of guys have significantly impaired erectile function so you know uh, loss of sexual functions pretty much was the anticipated outcome of prostate surgery now that that is still the case but it's got a lot better with the advent of the da vinci robot so um, now in good centers uh, prostate surgery, radical prostatectomy, is done using the Da Vinci robot, um, and because that's sort of so precise, um, there's less associated damage to the nerves that run around the prostate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've I've had guys who've had relative who've been completely continent of urine and have had relatively well preserved sexual function mm-hmm. after Da Vinci robot assisted radical prostatectomy. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's a definite definite improvement. And if I ever need to have prostate surgery, I would definitely be looking to find a provider who uses the da Vinci robot, and has done quite a lot of surgeries with it.
1: And I understand that um, at yeah, Tokyo Medical and Surgical, you do have one of the, the, uh, the top urologists uh, in the country um, coming in?
2: Yes, we do, yes. So we have, we're lucky enough to have Professor Horié, um, who's the head of urology at Juntendo, and uh, is Japan's leading prostate surgeon, has done the highest number of da Vinci robot assisted radical prostatectomies in the country. Um, And we've referred him a number of patients and very, very happy with him. Uh, He's an excellent surgeon and he's also a great communicator. Okay, that's
1: Mm. terrific
2: to to know. Mm. So Tom, thank you very much as
1: always for Mm. for coming on sharing your knowledge and sharing your experience with us. Mm. It's been very useful.
2: Thank you very much. Yeah, always a pleasure. And uh, if there's any other topics people would like to hear about, please do let us know. Thank you. Um,
1: so thanks very much for for listening and watching. Um, if you uh, are of the age that um, yeah, yeah, the age demographic that uh, Dr. Lomax mentioned before, um, and you would like to consult with him or um, Dr. Horiyade, then um, we'll we'll put the uh, Tokyo Medical and Surgical contacts in the show notes. Thanks very much for watching. Thanks very much for listening, and uh, we we'll look forward to speaking with you on the next episode
2: thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to the Tokyo Living Podcast. If you enjoy the content, we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you'd like to enjoy your podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Have a healthy and active week.